Hello and welcome to the Magic Academy, a podcast about Magic the Gathering. My name's Tia, your host. Today we're going to be talking about monocolored commanders and which commanders I think are the best out of their colors. There are five colors in Magic the Gathering, white, blue, black, red, and green. And each one has their strengths and weaknesses. First off, we're going to be talking about the mono-white commander, Lyra Dongbringer. Lyra Dawnbringer is an angel that costs 3 generic mana and 2 white mana, so 5 in total. She is a 5-5 with flying, first strike, lifelink, and an ability to give other angels you control plus 1 plus 1 in lifelink. For all that she does, having her only be 5 mana is extremely good. Now we're going to get into some of the pros and the cons. The pros are that you're going to be playing a one color deck, so you don't really have to worry about getting all of the colors you would need if you were playing a multicolored commander deck. And this goes for all of the commanders that I'm going to be talking about today. White has plenty of ways to get rid of threats on the that could be on a battlefield. It can exile things, destroy things, you can you luminous bond things. It's very 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 good at removing and stopping threats. She's also, Lyra is also a 5-5 flyer, which can normally deal damage easily without getting killed by another creature. There are some cases where your opponent will have another flying creature or something with reach and can block her, but I myself have come into many, many roadblocks without flying creatures and then get killed by Lyra Dawnbringer in 21 commander damage. The last pro that we have is that she buffs angels that you control. You can have a whole bunch of angels out, and each one would get a plus one plus one in lifelink. So you'd be getting life, and your creatures would be stronger. Some of the cons are that angels themselves are very expensive creatures. Most of them are four mana higher. And white isn't that great at ramp. So cards like um, any of the soul ring or a Chromatic Lantern, or a Terramorphic Expanse. All of those things can help you ramp up and be able to get the stuff out that you want quicker. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the strategy you can use with her. One strategy, which is probably the most obvious one, which is to run an Angel Tribal deck. The more angels you have, the better. You can also build her to be an Angel Tokens deck, and create an army of angel tokens along with the angels you'd already have on the field. Some cards that can definitely help out in a mono-white Lyra Dawnbringer deck is Angelic Accord. This card would be good because it makes angels when you gain life at the end of your end step. You gain life, you get an angel. And then that angel could get buffed if Lyra is on the field. Divine Visitation would turn any creature token you make into a 4-4 angel token with flying and vigilance, and then Lyra would give them lifelink and plus one plus one. Vigilance I always enjoy because you can have an attacker and a blocker. And if you're getting 4-4s, Lyra would make them into 5-5s, and then you would gain life. And they all have flying, so you have quite a bit of an advantage against an opponent. Devote Invocation is a good enchantment because for each creature you tap, you can make a 4-4 angel with flying. Again, Lyra would obviously give them more abilities. 
However, like most things in the Angel deck, it has a very expensive mana cost. But if you're able to get it out, that can be a game changer. Resplendent Angel is a cheaper costing angel that only costs 3 mana. And if you gain 5 or more life, you can create a 4-4 angel. So each time you attack with an angel and deal damage, you'll gain 4-5 to five life. And then you'll be able, to, once it's 5 or more, you'll be able to get another 4-4 angel that would become a 5-5 with lifelink. It's pretty great. The next one is Avacyn. Avacyn Angel of Hope is a very good angel card to have in any angel deck or really any white deck, in my opinion. She's costly, but she's also an 8-8 that is flying and vigilance, and she can give all your permanents indestructible. When she's paired with World Slayer, it can get a little out of hand. World Slayer is an artifact, um, and it will cause a board wipe to happen, but with Avacyn, it will board wipe everyone but you because your creatures will be indestructible. There are also a a handful of removal spells that you can use to your advantage. Path to Exile is just one of the most popular ones that you can use. Lastly, Rhea Dawnbringer. Rhea costs a lot of mana. Nine mana total, to be exact. But she's a great grave return use, and they go straight to the battlefield. So any angels that may have died that you want on the battlefield, or you want an enter the battlefield trigger to go off again, you can get them back. However, the only con to this is that you only get it once per turn, one at a time. That wraps up Lyra, so now we're going to talk about our next commander on the list, which is the mono blue commander, Urza Lord High Artificer. Urza just came out in Modern Horizons. Urza costs 2 generic mana and 2 blue mana. 4 mana total, not bad. He has many abilities, one being when Urza, Lord High Artificer, enters the battlefield, it creates a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token, with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. Another ability that he has is tap an untapped artifact you control and add blue. And the last ability being pay five and shuffle your library, then exile the top card. His power is one and his toughness is four. He's a pretty good commander to have, especially for if you want to play mono-blue artifacts. Now, we're going to get it back into the pros and cons. So the pros is that Urza is a little cheaper to cast than some commanders. Blue can counter spells and get rid of threats pretty easily. And there's a lot that you can do in an artifact deck and the way you want to take it. So the cons is that Urza himself has one power, so you wouldn't really want to attack with him. And playing him as your commander can get you targeted and targeted fast, so there's a risk of having you become a threat early on, and then everyone will gang up on you. Now, let's talk a little bit about the strategy and the cards that can help Urza out. There are many strategies that you can use with Urza. Artifact Tribal is one of the most obvious ones, but you could. I've also seen him to be built Storm. For this, I'll be talking about the Artifact Tribal, because I feel that it would be the more popular build. The first card that we'll be talking about is Howling Mind. Howling Mind is a card that at the beginning of each player's draw step, if it's untapped, that player draws a card. 
So yes, you're helping out the table a little bit by giving them each more card draw, but you're also helping yourself draw more cards, which can help in the long term. The next card is Mirrodin Besieged. Mirrodin Besieged is a card from Modern Horizons, and it says as it enters the battlefield, you could choose Mirrodin or Pyrexia. Or Fire... Or Mirin or Phyrexian. Mirin, whenever you cast a artifact spell, you would create a 1-1 colorless mirror artifact creature token. If you choose Phyrexian, at the beginning of your end step, draw a card, then discard a card. Then if there are 15 or more artifact cards in your graveyard, target opponent loses the game. This enchantment can be great for making mirror artifact creature tokens, but it can also be a good win con if you can get 15 or more artifact cards into your graveyard. The next card is Thopter Foundry. Um, and this would not be found in a mono blue deck, but I do think it's a worthy mention. Um, the reason it would not be found in a Mono blue deck, for those of you who may not know, is that it has a white-black um, mana symbol and a blue mana symbol. But I think it's a worthy mention. So it has sacrifice a non-token artifact, and then you'd put a 1-1 blue thopter artifact creature token with flying into play, and then you would gain a life. It would not be used in Urza, but it's a good artifact card. Maybe use it in Brea. Spell Swindle is a good counter spell because you create X uh, treasure artifact tokens where X is the spell's converted mana cost that you are countering. Then you could sacrifice those and they give you more mana, which makes you able to cast more things. Watcher for Tomorrow is also from Modern Horizons. It has Hideaway, and that means that it enters the battlefield tap, and when it does, you could look at the top four cards of your library, exile one face down, and then put the rest in the bottom of your library. When it leaves, you could choose any of the exiled cards into its owner's hand. Now, the reason I said this is a good card is because if you don't remember, one of Urza's abilities is that you can pay five and exile a card. So, along with the, exile, the exiled card that you exile from Watcher for Tomorrow, there's probably one or two other cards that might be in exile if you don't have, if you're shuffling your cards a lot. So, having Watcher for Tomorrow end up dying, and then you can choose any of the cards that were exiled and put it back into your hand. The next creature is an artifact creature. It's Shimmer Mirror. It has flash in that any artifacts can be casted as if they had flash. This is just a great card because looking at it, Having artifacts have flash means you can play them at instant speed. And who wouldn't want to play everything at instant speed as long as Shimmer Mirror's on the battlefield? Mechanalized Production is an aura enchantment. You can enchant an artifact that you control, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you create a token that's a copy of that artifact. Then if you control eight or more of them, you win the game. So, basically... You get a whole bunch of artifacts onto the field, and then you win the game. It's a great win con, especially if you're having a slower commander game, not as competitive. Um, it'll take 
eight or nine turns to get it done. But it's decent. The last one is Static Orb. And as long as Static Orb is untapped, players can't untap more than two permanents during their untap step. Now, this is a super annoying card, even for you. But it can be a very controlling card. And one that I find fun to play with at times. Um, it's just a little fun addition to it. And it's also an artifact. Next, we're going to go on to our Mono Black Commander, which is Gissa Gukaller. So, Gissa is a 3-4 that costs 3 generic mana and 2 black mana. You sacrifice another creature and you create X-2-2 black zombie creature tokens where X is the sacrifice creature's power. So, it's pretty great if you have some big creatures there and you end up able to sacrifice one of your big creatures, and then you get, like, 6-2-2 black zombie creature tokens. Some of the pros is that black is really good at grave return, uh, taking things from your grave, putting them back into play, or your hand, and it's really good at getting rid of things um, that are creatures. Now, one of the downsides is that black is horrible at enchantment removal and removal of certain other types. Um, they can, there's very little that you could do with it, but that could be solved with adding some artifacts that can destroy enchantments or artifacts. Along with that, black is also a great color because it has some of the most intense abilities that there are. Um, I think Death Touch, personally, is a very intense uh, ability for creatures to have, because even if it's just a 1-1 Death Touch, someone has a 10-10, they block the 10-10, well, now it's dead because of the Death Touch. Granted, you lose your creature, but that's a small price to pay. So, now a little bit with the strategy. The most obvious strategy here, with a lot of the ones that I'm mentioning are going off of something obvious. So, we'll start stick with the obvious and say zombie token tribal. Or just zombie tribal. A couple things that you could definitely add are stronghold assassin, which you would tap, sacrifice a creature, and then you could destroy target non-black creature. Rot Hulk, which is a really good card when you're playing multiplayer or pod commander. So it has Menace, and when it enters the battlefield, you can return X target zombie cards from your graveyard to your battlefield, where X is the number of opponents you have. So if you only have one uh, opponent, it's not going to do as much. But if you're working in pods and you have three opponents, well then you're getting three more back. And it can be very helpful to have those three back. Gissa's Bidding is a four cost card, and you put two... 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield, and it has um, madness, which you can use if you'd like to. Death Baron is a great card because it gives your creatures death touch and plus one and plus one. Liliana's Mastery is also a good card to include because it creates some tokens. Army of the Damned is a High-costed card, but it creates 13 tapped 2-2 black zombie creature tokens. And that can honestly 
make a game go from, yay, that person's winning, to, oh, hey, look it, now I'm winning, very quickly. Lord of the Undead gives creatures plus one, plus one, and you can return zombie card from your graveyard to your hand. And Lord of the Accursed, which gives plus one, plus one again, and all zombies gain menace until end of turn. There's a couple other cards that you could definitely use in here that are all great cards to include. Gravedigger is a great uncommon that returns a card from your graveyard to your hand. Reassembling, reassembling Skeletons, also a good one. Um, you could sacrifice him and then bring him back. It's all just graveyard shenanigans. The next commander that we're going to be talking about is Krenko. Krenko costs two generic mana and two red mana. He's a 3-3, and he has the ability to tap, create X-1-1 red goblin creature tokens, where X is the number of goblins you control. Pretty similar to Gissa, but a little bit different, because you're not sacrificing goblins. Instead, you are creating 1-1 red goblins, to the number of goblins that you already have. So, a great combo in this deck that many people know is having Kiki Jiki, Mirror Breaker, and Combat Celebrant together. If you get both of those out, you can have infinite combat phases, and if you're lucky, you can win. Arms Dealer is a great goblin. Um, you pay. Two, one red and one generic mana, sacrifice a goblin, and it deals four damage to any target creature. Um, Kikijiki himself has haste and puts a copy of target non-legendary creature you control onto the battlefield, and then it has haste and you sacrifice it at the beginning of your next end step. Boggart Shenanigans is a tribal enchantment that is a goblin, and it's whenever another goblin you control is put into the graveyard from play. You may have Boggart Shenanigans deal 1 damage to target player. Krenko's Command creates 2 one, 1 red goblin creature tokens. Legion's Loyalist is a card that when it and 2 others attack, creatures you control gain first strike and trample until the end of turn and can't be blocked by creature tokens. Goblin Ringleader is a card that has haste. And when it enters the battlefield, you you would reveal the top four cards of your library, put all goblin cards revealed that way into your hand, and then the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. That is a very good card to get the goblins that you need out, to go through and like get some cards out of your way. And of course, sometimes you might not even have a goblin in there, but in that case, you just got rid of some cards that might not have come in handy at the time. And then Comment Celebrant is if Combat Celebrant hasn't been exerted this turn, you may exert it as it attacks, and when you do, untap all other creatures you control. And after this, you would have an additional combat phase. So it's really great to just untap things, have another combat phase. If you have Kiki-Jiki, and you go ahead and you just copy Combat Celebrant, it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. The last one is our Mono Green Commander that we're going to be talking about. And this is Omnath, Locust of Mana. He costs two generic mana and one forest, and he's a 1-1. One, one. You don't lose any unspent green mana as steps and phases end, 
And Omnath Locust of Mana gets plus one, plus one for each unspent green mana you have. So, if you're generating enough mana, if you have a whole bunch of green mana that isn't spent, then Omnath can get huge. Especially if you find a huge, like a combo or, or something that gives you a whole bunch of green mana, it can snap quickly. Some pros of it is that green is really good at ramping, so you can get so much mana very quickly. Um, he himself, Omnath, is a cheaper commander to cast. He only costs three, so you can get him out pretty early game if you wanted to. Along with that, he uh, green can have some removal, um, and it's really easy for green to have flying creatures or reach creatures so they can block flying and reach if that ever becomes a problem a con about having omnath as your commander is that he does come in as a 1-1 and if he's cast early he can easily be removed or killed there are many many ways that he can just get wiped out of existence completely and then you'd have to wait until you have five mana to cast him again. But in green, that really shouldn't be a problem because you can just get so much mana as long as you build the deck correctly. Some cards that you might want to include are Locust Cobra, which is whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And if you have Amanath at, at that time, and then you just want to have that mana floating, well, then it's floating. You don't have to spend it, and you'll have it for the rest of the game. Another card that can be a huge, huge help is Furless Fortrays. You pay one, sacrifice a creature, and you can search your library for a land card with a basic land type and put it onto the battlefield tapped. Then you would shuffle your library. Haro is an instant and you'd have to sacrifice a land, but you could search your library up for two basic lands and put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Note that they don't come in tapped. So yes, you would lose a land, but you would get two more. And it could be a huge help with having lands come into play untapped. Defense of the Heart is an enchantment, which during your upkeep... If one or more opponents control three or more creatures, you have to sacrifice it, and you could search your library for up to two creature cards and put them into play. Then you would shuffle your library. Primal Surge is a sorcery. You'd exile the top card of your library. If it's a permanent card, you may put it onto the battlefield, and if you do, you would just repeat the process. Now, Primal Surge is a very, very expensive card. It costs eight generic mana and two forests. But again, you're playing Omnath, you're playing green, you should have plenty and plenty of land, and it should just be great. Sky Shroud Claim is a sorcery, and you search your library for up to two forest cards, put them onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. This can help, because again, you're getting those lands out, you're getting what you need. Animus Awakening, you reveal the top X cards of your library, and put all the land cards from among them onto the battlefield tapped, and the rest in the bottom... Of your library in a random order. This also has spell mastery. If there are two or more instant or sorcery cards in your graveyard, you get to untap those lands. So Amnesty Awaken costs X and green. So if you have a lot of mana to pay X, you can just reveal those top cards 
And if you have two or more instant or sorcery cards in there, you get to untap those sweet, sweet lands. Sandworm Convergence. Creatures with flying can't attack in or planeswalkers you control. At the beginning of your end step, you could, would create a 5-5 green worm creature token. So, you're probably wondering, okay, if I'm focused on, like, land and stuff, why would I want this? Well, you're creating a 5-5 green worm creature token, which, all in all, is great to have, even if it's later game, a 5-5 is always a good thing, and more blockers and more attackers could never hurt. Abundance is an enchantment where if you would draw a card, you may instead choose land or non-land and reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card of that chosen kind. Put that card into your hand and then put all other cards revealed this way on the bottom of your library in any order. So you're not losing any cards. None of them are going to the graveyard. You're just kind of cycling through your deck, getting if you want to land or non-land. And this can help you get out as many lands as you need, or this can help you get out more creatures, sorceries, instants, whatever you may be looking for. Now, I'd also say have a Gaia's Cradle, but we all know how super expensive Gaia's Cradle is. If you can get your hand on one, or, you know, you happen to have one laying around or something, which I doubt many have, but, you know, Gaia's Cradle could always help. It could help any deck, but definitely this one. So that is it for talking about all of the monocolored commanders. This is all of the information. Now we're going to talk about my opinions on each one and specifically why I enjoy these specific five. I talked about the very technical things. Um, there are abilities and cards that can help in the deck if you were to build them. But I never really talked about why do I love these cards so much. So again, we're going to talk first, starting with the white commander, Lyra Dawnbringer. Now, I realize some of you are probably like, why not use Rhea Dawnbringer? Because Rhea is obviously just as good as... So the reason I am not using Rhea Dawnbringer in this is because Rhea costs way too much. She costs 9 mana, and you would only be able to return a couple creatures with that. Now, if you're playing casual commander... I guess that's okay, and if you want to use Rhea, then go ahead and use Rhea, but Lyra, in my opinion, is so much better because she gives your creatures so many things, and it, get, it really opens up a whole bunch of opportunities to you during the deck. Not only about that, but Lyra herself is just an amazing creature. She's a 5-5. She's like I said, and having a 5-5 five five as a commander where you can easily get commander damage in because there's flying, and if your opponents have the disadvantage of not being able to block the flying, well then, that's just great. Like, that's an easy win for you. Just attack with all your flying stuff, attack with Lyra a couple times, and whatnot, and you're solid, you're good, you're gold. I'd also like to take into account Lyra's artwork. So, I love Lyra Dawnbringer's artwork. Now, this is not why, this is not one of the big reasons of why I love her as a card. But, Lyra Dawnbringer, her artwork has a very beautiful angel standing with a shield and her spear. And 
it just looks absolutely wonderful. Chris Ron was the person who did this artwork for this card, and he did an amazing job. The detail that went into this card is just fascinating. And it's one of my favorite artworks, probably for any angel that I've seen. And, yeah. Back to why Lyra... Why I love seeing Lyra in action. So, I first saw Lyra in action a couple years ago when I started playing Magic uh, more and more. First time I saw Lyra was versing someone online, and their deck was pretty, pretty solid. Now, even though Lyra was super expensive and they weren't ramping very fast, they still could obliterate a board super, super easily. Um, one of the main reasons that I fell in love with Lyra and fell in love with wanting to do angels is because the way that she interacts with opponents, people don't find her extremely threatening until it's extremely threatening. And one of the reasons that probably is, is because she is just an angel. And angels can get crazy, yeah, but in competitive commander, you know, you're there, you might not have a lot of turns. So they don't really worry about angels and whatnot. Like, I can't really talk for much experience. I did underestimate Lyra. I was like, okay, listen, it's angels. They cost a lot. Like, I can go off faster than they can, right? Um, and I know many of other people have definitely underestimated an angel deck before, but I also know many people who have beaten angel deck. Um, now we can talk about, we'll go on to the blue commander and talk about why I love Urza. So, Urza came from Modern Horizons. That set released not too long ago, and in my opinion, I honestly loved that set. Um, despite its higher cost than the normal sets, I still really enjoyed it. Now, I'm not a blue player. I honestly don't play blue very much. Blue is probably my least favorite color to play out of all of them. But Urza had this appeal to me when I saw him, and I think it was the token part of it, because I love to play tokens. Um, and artifacts, I never thought that I would be super into, but Urza is actually what got me interested in artifacts. I still haven't built a deck around him, but uh, if I were to play artifacts, I would either go with Brea or Urza. Um, another reason I like Urza is because you can easily generate your own mana if you just sacrifice a couple things, and when you're making tokens, you could easily sacrifice, so then you could easily just get mana. Um, and compared to other mono blue commanders that make tokens or can be artifact support, Urza just trumps them. He honestly does. He's such a great card. And it is just amazing seeing him in action, working. We will talk about the black commander, Gissa Gukhalar, next. I have a deck 
of Gisaku Caller. I built her recently because I wanted to do a mono black deck. Because um, a lot of my friends have other monocolored decks. And I wanted to get back into what I originally started Magic for, which was zombies. I originally joined Magic playing zombies. So I went ahead and I looked at some zombie commanders. And automatically, Gissa Ghoulcaller was my favorite. Again, her artwork was absolutely amazing to see and I loved it um but that's not a huge reason on why you know I love her so much yes her artwork is beautiful a lot of magic card artwork is beautiful um Carla Ortiz did Gissa's um did did ghoul color Gissa's artwork and it was amazing so, I also really like the aspect of sacrificing things and then gaining things from that. Um, I've always been a player that loves to reanimate, that loves to make big creatures. I love to make a whole bunch of creatures. I've always been a player that's loved all of that. Uh, anything that can get big creatures out on the field, anything that can sacrifice creatures and bring them back, anything that can build up a whole entire army. I love that. I also love mono black. Black is my favorite color to play. That is one of the reasons I did not choose Gissa and Gerald. Because I did not want to play blue. I wanted to play black. I wanted to stick to mono black and just spirit. Just have all the black spirit I can. And it's been working out pretty great. I just... Went with the zombie token theme, spamming tokens out, buffing the tokens. The only problem I've run into is removing enchantments from my creatures or removing uh, artifacts from play. That's really only one obstacle that I've been facing, but I'm sure that I can figure that out. Next, we'll talk about Krenko. So, Krenko I've known for a while... I have played against one Krenko deck, and I have friends that play Krenko. Now, Krenko does not appeal to me very much, honestly, but when considering mono-red commanders that do a lot of stuff, Krenko is definitely it. There's also OG Perforos, God of the Forge. He's also super great for a commander, but I feel like gods would get you targeted more than a Krenko deck would, Especially when gods, especially the OG ones from the original Theros, are a little bit just overpowered. So I think Krenko would keep you a little safer than having Perforos God of Forge on your field. Krenko also has an ability like Gissa's, and I kind of like that about the card. I'm not a huge, like, goblin tribal lover. I'm not a huge red player. Um, I've never played mo played mono red. I'm usually playing Naya, which is red, green, and white. Or red and white. I played Feather for a while. Or Sunspeaker. But I never played mono red. Um, looking at Krinko, there's a lot of ways you can take the deck. You don't even have to take it to be 
like, Goblin Tribal, you could take it to be Goblin and mix it up with, like, Goblin Burn or other things. There's, it's such a creative way you can take the deck, and you can do some really, really strange things with it. I've seen some strange things happen to it. Lastly, we have Omnath, Lok, um, Locus of Mana. So, I am not a huge mono green player. I do play Naya, which is green, white, and red, as I stated before. And I do play Golgari, Selesnya, Abzan, all things that include green. Um, green and white are my second favorite colors. They kind of tie because I use them both equally when I'm playing with my decks. And... Omnath honestly stood out to me because of his mana hoarding. Now, I am a player that loves to have land um, available so that I can do a bunch of cool shenanigans. And with Omnath, you know, you, your mana never goes away. So, as long as I have mana out, I'm not going to be losing anything. And I'm just going to be able to do more and more shenanigans and make big creatures. That's another reason why I like Omnath. You can make him into a big stompy creature. And I love that. Like, I love big stompy things. Big meat sticks. Like, I, I don't care. They're just awesome. And that's why Omnath stood out to me. Because he starts as a small, weak little thing. And once you get enough mana out and whatnot, you, your deck starts going off. You get this huge, stompy, big creature that is just great. Now, Omnath can definitely have you targeted, but there's ways to deal with that in green. There's ways to deal with that in any color. So you don't really have to worry too much about that, and it's just how it is. You can deal with it. There's no big worry about it. That is the last thing I'm going to say about Omnath. And these are the reasons why I love these five monocolored commanders. They're all great commanders, and there are so many more monocolored commanders that you can go for and go with. You can choose from so many and take them in so many different directions. To me, these are just the ones that I enjoy to see, I enjoy to play, the ones that appeal to me, and the ones that I think would appeal to other players. I personally love seeing so many creative ideas done with different cards, um, especially in the mono colors, because there's limits to each color, so when you only have one color, how are you going to get away, how are you going to get around what they don't do well? You'll excel in some things, but how are you going to be able to for black and for in black for instance how are you going to get rid of the enchantments or artifacts in the field that are dampering your play if it's just you and another player there's so much creativity that can go into a monocolored deck to make it work properly and to me that just stands out a lot thank you for tuning in and listening i greatly appreciate it this is the magic academy i'm your host tia and I'll be signing off. Until next time, Tiamat out.